0: Welcome to 20 Not Something, the podcast for 20-somethings who haven't quite figured out what their something is yet. Each week, I'll be speaking to a different guest about their experiences of this messy decade to reassure you that everything turns out all right in the end. Because doing something in your 20s can actually mean doing anything that makes you happy. Welcome back, everyone, and a very happy new year to you all. Uh, I realise it's actually probably way too late in the year to say that, but I'm going to say it anyway. Happy New Year. Before season three drops in February, I wanted to release some cheeky bonus episodes to see you through this rather bleak wintry month. These episodes are structured slightly differently to normal, but as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts, comments or musings, if you will, <laughs> in the review section. Or we've actually got an Instagram page now, decided to join the 21st Century Um, So you can find us at 20 not something on Instagram as well. So without further ado, welcome to 20 not something bonus episode one, all about making decisions. So today I am joined by blogger, reality TV show survivor, and my dear, dear friend, Emma Fleming. Not only does she have the best name in the world, but she's also an advocate of all things feminism, not taking life too seriously, and shaking what mama gave you, in whatever form that comes in. Having made some pretty interesting decisions in her early 20s, I couldn't think of anyone better suited to host this episode with. So Emma, welcome to 20 Not Something. Hello, thank <laughs> you so much for having me. You are So welcome. (laughs) So as I said, on this bonus episode, we're going to be talking all about decision making, um, why it's so fucking difficult to make decisions in our early 20s, and how being your authentic self is often quite challenging in the big wide world. Um, Full disclosure before we get going, Emma and I are not experts on this topic, (laughs) as she can probably testify, (laughs) Nor nor have we got an abundance of life experience. Um, So this is just a very casual exploration of some of the things that people might be able to relate to. Um, But we're not about to preach to you guys how you should be making your decisions. Just want to clarify that um, we are in no position to do so. Oh, I was about to lead a sermon. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) So, Emma, are you a decisive person? No,
1: (laughs) I am. I don't know many decisions I've made in my life. I tend to just fall into stuff and hope that was the right decision. And so far, it seems to have turned out okay.
0: Awesome. Love it. <laughs> so you never like, think through stuff for a long time or do you dwell on stuff a lot? Yeah, and I think that's
1: why I sort of... Try not to make too many decisions because once I start thinking about stuff, I I overthink it and I overanalyze it. And I'm a firm believer that you can talk yourself out of any situation. And so mm. there's a sense of
0: freedom if you just sort of
1: let the chips fall as they may. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I find it so terrifying letting chips fall though because I'm like I don't feel in control of it. And I think one of the things when you're making decisions is is that fear that you're not in control of your own life. Yeah, I don't know. That's what, that's what always rings in my head. But but
1: I don't think we are. No, <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. Look at the situation we're in right now. <laughs> so true. Um, but yeah, I do get that. It is terrifying. But it's that's why I, I try not to think about it too much, because it is too terrifying. And then there's just the worst feeling if you feel like it was the wrong decision and mm. it's kind of too late. Whereas if you just sort of stick your head in the sand, then... <laughs> all gonna be fine (laughs) and it's not my fault if it's not
0: (laughs) so true. so one of your biggest decisions which i think is actually really interesting and i'm so excited to talk to you about is your decision to be sober and to stop drinking alcohol um which i don't think brave is necessarily the right word but it is definitely something which is not seen as much especially in your early 20s when the culture is all around you know going out and having a drink Do you want to talk us through a little bit of behind that decision and what sort of prompted that?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think looking back, I could have definitely done with reducing how much I was drinking earlier. Um, It was weird because actually at uni, it was sort of not a running joke, but it was almost like expected in a way that I might have a bit of a funny turn if I was drinking too much on a night out and my best friend would regularly have to sort of remove me from situations mainly if I got kind of triggered by a bit of a aggressive guy on a night out or if I saw something that I thought wasn't like just or fair and I would get super emotional and sort of insert myself into that situation as a sort of (laughs) Upholder of justice, <laughs> justice. <laughs> with complete strangers who were just having like a drunken fight, but I obviously had to get involved. Um, and you know, my best friend would take me away from it, and it was sort of like she she was great, and she would be like, you know, you, you, this sort of stuff triggers you, and you know, you can't solve everything. And and actually, I just I don't know why I didn't just not allow myself to get to that stage in the first place. And then, what initially sort of started this off was I was on a night out with my boyfriend and his cousin, who he hadn't seen for a really long time, and he was really excited about it. And something very similar happened. A bouncer was just a bit of a dick. He was a dick. Like, even if I was sober, I would have still been annoyed. But (laughs) the sort of level of upset I got was just completely disproportionate to what was going on. And I, you know, I just couldn't stop crying. You know, that, you know, that that sort of crying, like you're a baby and it just, it won't stop. It'll go on all night and you'll wake up with the puffiest face the next morning. Like you, (laughs) you tire yourself out and you sleep so well, but, (laughs) um, and the next morning I was just, I just completely ruined his night and he was, he was absolutely fine with it. And he'd never say that to me, but it was just quite a scary feeling of being like, I was just so out of control and Mm. it's not not that cute anymore. I'm 22. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, then I was just like, oh, I'm just not going to drink for a while. I just need to sort of have a bit of a break. Um, this isn't a nice feeling. And I think it was sort of a few weeks later and I was going to a club <laughs> when that used to be a thing <laughs> and, R. <O>. P. I, <laughs> literally, and I was like, you know, I'm actually going to try and not drink tonight. And I hadn't done that since university when you had like sober duty in Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I
0: was
1: like, I'm really, it was like a social experiment with myself. I was like, I'm just going to see what it's like. Mm. And so I went to pre-drinks and luckily it was with a group of girls that I'm really close with. And I was like, I'm actually, I'm off for the booze tonight, ladies. <laughs> and it was like, what? But after a while, which is just what happens every single time, people forget because one, they're getting drunk and two, no one's sort of weirdly monitoring what's in your cup. Um, So we went out and it was just a testament to the fact that it was actually a fun night, which is the main thing. Like, if you're not drinking, you can still have as much fun. You just don't have a sort of disguise if it is actually kind of a shit time. You're just drunk and you don't realise. So I had such a fun night and then I didn't have to go home and down three pints of water. I just went to bed and was like, Oh my God, I am onto something here. And so I just continued. And the more people who were weird with it and who didn't quite understand it, and it was really jarring for them, the more I was, convinced that it was the right thing to do, and also mm. really wanted to prove that it is something that you can do, regardless of if you're on medication or if it's for religious reasons or whatever like drinking should be seen in a way I think like smoking, like some people mm. have cigarettes, some people don't, and if you offer someone a cigarette and they say no, it hasn't impacted your night it hasn't you 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 don't have any assumptions about that person, but mm. it's not the same with drinking.
0: Why do you think that is though? Because I completely agree. Like it is so embedded in our culture and you know growing up like my parents would have alcohol like with dinner often um it's just it's so embedded in there. So why why do you think that is?
1: I think like you said it's just it's so ingrained and we're just completely indoctrinated to associate it with any sort of celebration yeah 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 Yeah, fun but also just emotion in general it's like Mm. oh I've had such a hard day have a glass of wine and because I mean it, it it does have an impact it I get it I used to there was nothing nicer than coming home and having a glass of red wine when you've had a bit of a rubbish day and you just want to unwind and it does relax you of course it does it's a drug
0: yeah. um
1: but I think that's sort of it confuses us to think that we need it and mm. the fun won't happen without it and the conversation won't happen without it and that DMC will only happen when you're a bottle of wine down and you're hugging and crying with your best friend and yes. and it's like we all have these capabilities of expressing these emotions and I kind of think it's sad in a way and that we think we can't do that Mm -hmm. on our own volition of course we can we're just out of practice
0: Yeah, that is so, so true and so important to raise as well. It's the classic, you know, oh, Dutch courage. Like, oh, I want to pluck up the courage to speak to this person. And it must have been actually really rewarding for you going into those situations and maybe realising some things about yourself that you maybe didn't. Like how easy it is actually to go up to someone and start a conversation, even though in a normal setting of like a, I don't know, God forbid, a tube, that would be um, (laughs) like unheard of. Um, Did you find that... You you mentioned earlier about certain friends who had an issue with it. How did you approach dealing with that? It was really hard. I'm not going
1: to lie. It is hard and it's jarring because you're going into something with years of, yeah, like we're getting on a stash and we're all like, you're a part of something and it's sort of like, who's getting the next round in? And it, like, you're on this sort of, journey together to sort of get drunk and it's like the destination is being drunk because that's when the fun starts and that's when it's sort of like you you have permission to say stuff and to do stuff and so initially it was like I was choosing not to take part in all of that it wasn't the fact I was drinking something different it was what that meant for my role in that night Mm. and what people could say to me and what I would say to them and how I would be acting and would I be judging them when they're at the end of that night and they're doing certain stuff. And I think that is the main thing. It's actually nothing to do with you. It's people think you're taking an affront with them and actually you're not. I mean, the only annoying thing is that people repeat themselves a lot, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) But I think for me, once I'd sort of proven that, I am just as capable getting up and dancing and saying Mm. stupid shit and having fun being by like completely on my, on my own volition. It Mm. was fine. And it's the sort of, (laughs) I remember at first sort of feeling a bit sort of naughty because I would just act drunk Mm. and I would say the most outrageous things and I would be dancing and like acting a bit wild I was just like doing it for the sake of it it was really fun
0: (laughs) it must be really freeing
1: yeah it's like when you're younger and you're sort of (laughs) when you're when you're you're kids you just you get really hyper and you do stuff and you like act things out and I was doing that as a fully grown adult it was so Mm. much fun
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah, it's interesting what you said about the like role playing aspect because I think that there is for some reason like almost a self righteous attribute um like attributed to not drinking. It's like, oh no, I'm I'm looking after my body or But there are so many reasons for not drinking and yours, especially like it's an emotional reason. It's not because, you know, oh, I want to get a six pack and alcohol's got loads of calories in. And even if that is your reason, like, fine, fair enough. Like you should have no nobody should be able to judge you for that. Um, Yeah. Do you think it's the hardest decision you've ever made? Because by you saying it, it sounded like it was sort of a no brainer.
1: I mean, it definitely wasn't easy and it's more just it's so easy to not continue. And I also, for anyone listening to it, I don't believe that you've sort of failed or you you have like fallen off the sober wagon or whatever if you have a drink on a night out. It's not like, oh well, you know, clearly I clearly I can't last. It's I think it's just an interesting thing to do for yourself, just to cut back Mm. and just to actually try that night out without alcohol, see how you feel you might hate it and i'm also very aware of the fact that i am confident naturally and i am quite extroverted i completely understand that some people are so shy and you know it it is a sort of crutch to get you out of your comfort zone i completely appreciate that mm-hmm. um but i think it continuing and going through social situations it was sort of like something you just had to push through and push through with every person you interact with because after a while, and once they realize it's not just for a month, they get used to it. And my boyfriend's family in particular, he, they they love a good sesh and it is so much fun. Um, and at first it was really hard because I felt like I had suddenly excluded myself from that. And you know, it's even just as simple as like when they're making gin and tonics for everyone, what do they make me? Mm. Um, and so once it was just a sort of, oh no, Emma doesn't drink. Um they would they would buy like all the alternatives and so oh. when it's like oh who wants a gin and tonic I'm like yeah and they're just making mine with seed lip and mm. it was just that was honestly just the nicest feeling for me because that I think alcohol it's it makes you feel included. It's like that is the whole thing. You're going to the pub you're having drinks it's not the fact you're drinking necessarily it's like you're with friends and you're all doing this thing together. Yeah. Um and so that was just so nice for me. Um mm. And then yeah, like it just it got so much easier, and I think now um there are so many alternative brands out there, and so you're not there like a lemon in the corner with a diet coke you're mm. you're drinking the same as everything else there's just one missing ingredient
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I the only way I can sort of relate to that is a similar thing, but with with drugs because at uni a lot of my friends experimented with drugs, and I never. I never really had the appeal of them in the same way that everyone else did. Everyone was like, Oh, I just want to try it. And I was like, I actually just have no urge to do that. But I I completely relate to what you're saying about the inclusivity of it because, you know, people go to the bedroom and like do whatever and you just be waiting downstairs like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Or I feel a bit. uh." And then certain events that people go to, you know, classic DBE or whatever. Um, Oh, you're gonna come? Are you gonna you're gonna take stuff? Like no, and then you know, the same thing happens again. But I think that just comes back to making authentic decisions for yourself. And if you know that you've made a decision which you are happy with, then it actually manages to carry you through that actually quite quite well. Exactly. Um,
1: And the the thing that I find really interesting as well, especially seeing as it's January, is you know. a lot of people aren't drinking for January and I honestly think so much of it is because they've been given permission some Mm. higher being whoever created dry January that is that is their reason for doing it and if they go out and they get something soft and someone asks why oh it's dry January oh right oh right got you it's like why do you need that permission and Mm. if we made dry February or dry October or whatever would you do it again then Mm. is it because it's like that is your ticket that is your get out of the whole weird conversation and the judgment that's the reason because Mm. i think so many people do it and i don't think it's just because they have some christmas hangover i think it's because (sighs) they actually might just want a break from alcohol and so
0: yeah like do it because you want to do it (laughs) Mm. Yeah, 100 percent. And don't feel like you're going to be judged for it, because if your friends are judging you, then they're not your friends. It's the same in every situation and no matter what you do, like if your friends judge you, that's alarm bells in the first place. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I was actually reading up a little bit on decision making before this chat, and um, I've realised that in all the articles I read, the one thing that came up the most, which is what people are so afraid of, is um, a fear of future regret which I find really powerful because that is so true. Every time I make a decision, I'm fearful of how future Emma is going to look back at it. Um, yeah. I don't know whether you experience the same. Oh my God, completely. And I think that,
1: I think nowadays, especially, we have so much access to everyone's lives and what decisions led them to that. And there's so much, pressure to compare and to be on that same sort of timeline and so it makes you terrified to get it wrong in case that knocks you off course and the nicest thing is when you see things like you know you're meant to have it all figured out when you're an adult and you realize absolutely no one has got it figured out because I think it relieves some of that pressure to know what to do because I don't know I I don't know if I'm a believer in fate or whatever I think it's more just whatever happens to you happens because of the decisions you made and you don't have the option to look at some parallel universe where what else could have happened but you know I just I find it I'm so happy that I didn't work as hard as I could have at school because I didn't get into my first choice of uni so I went to Loughborough I met you I met all my best friends I met You know, my best friend, Emily, who introduced me to her best friend, Fraser, who introduced me to his best friend, Jack. Jack's now my boyfriend. Mm. Is that all because I didn't work as hard at school? Mm. Like, I just think that whatever happens to you is going to happen. And so just enjoy what positives came with that. And don't think Mm -hmm. too much on the negatives and the what ifs or what could have been because
0: you'll never know. And it's exhausting. Like I go round and round in circles. I've made some pretty big decisions in the last few months and I keep thinking to myself, like, sat on the sofa at 8 p.m. at night with a bowl of Maltesers because living the high (laughs) life, just thinking, like, oh, what would be happening right now? And it's such a horrible, annoying thought because it's like, but it's not, Emma. It's not happening. This is happening. And that all comes back to sort of I struggle personally with just being in the present moment and accepting that everything that's happened – is happening. Oh, it's a doggy! <laughs> yeah, <he's laughs> it's a on bee. my bed. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like everything is happening, as you said, because you have made the decision to. Do you Do you think that you've ever regretted a decision? Like if you had to pick one from your life? Oh, God. I think it's really good if you don't, by the way, because I'm personally trying to not.
1: I think not necessarily decisions I've well yeah it is a decision but it's sort of small things I, I've regretted choices of words in mm. conversations or arguments or um yeah not not big things because I just think if you if you live like that then you'll just you'll go insane but I've definitely I've I've looked and wishes and wished that I've handled things differently mm. but then equally at the same time I think the capacity to look back on stuff and regret them is just a sign that you've grown or you've developed your opinion or your understanding or perception on something so maybe it is a good thing because I think if you're sort of never questioning yourself or taking accountability for whatever it might be then you're never learning and so maybe it is a good thing to sort of regret.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah it's an interesting way of um, looking at it because I've always thought that Regret is quite a negative thing, but regret and reflection are actually yeah. quite similar. It's just regret has like a negative connotation to it. Um, yeah. I just wanted to touch on before we have to wrap up about um the second big decision that you said you had to make, which was recalibrating certain friendships. Um was that as a result of sort of leaving uni and moving into the the the, the real world as we like to call it? Um how did that sort of come about
1: yeah I think I think it's just when you leave uni well when you're at uni things are handed to you on I know people some people do really struggle with uni and they they don't find their friendship so I I appreciate that but for a lot of people when you're at uni you have so many friends and you it's because it's so easy especially somewhere like Loughborough everyone lived within five minutes of each other everyone's on the same nights out everyone's exactly it's so easy and so I think it's easy to confuse that with sort of substance in a way because you know I left uni and I was like oh my god I have all these friends and you know a handful check-in when things go wrong and when it isn't sort of so easy and you are trying to call that person or text that person or or arrange something and they flake or you realize actually it's always you making the effort they're happy to sort of receive that invitation but do they check in with you on a whim and I think that can be quite a sort of sobering thought (laughs) (laughs) but it's not a bad one because it means that you sort of you put you recalibrate in the sense that you know that person is your friend for when you want a night out and they're really Mm. fun and that's okay and you put them in that sort of box and you don't expect more or less of them and then you have your other friend who is the person you call when you're upset or when you want to hang out and not even talk you just need another person there And so I think for me, that was, that was good because it stopped me, um, from allowing myself to be let down, Mm -hmm. um, and also made me sort of aware of if I wasn't checking in with people, um, and to sort of like actually be a friend. I just think my sort of, I constantly think people are your friend when it's easy. And so Mm -hmm. just making sure that your relationships are actually like fulfilling and you're, you're playing your role and they're playing theirs
0: yeah yeah I struggle with the whole putting people in boxes thing because I I have done that in the past with friends and I know that it hasn't gone so well but I do agree in the sense that you're never why didn't it go well can I ask well just because some friends so for example if there's a friend who I would want to call up um just for like because I was feeling low and I needed a chat and then you have the other friend who you'd want to go on a night out with, sometimes those friends that you call up for emotional support then may feel, I don't know, disheartened that you wouldn't, they wouldn't then be your port of call for going out. Yeah, that no, no, that makes,
1: no, that makes complete sense. I think for me, the ones that I have emotional support with, they're also my best friends, closest friends who I also yeah. go out with. Yeah, It's just more the peripheral people that you don't confuse with like, Oh, why? Like, why did that person sort of like? Why did that family member die? And they didn't ask me how I was. It's because yeah. that's like that's not that that's not that person for you.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I hear that definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I I remember having this conversation with um my friend who's in his thirties, and he was like. By the time you get to my age, you won't be friends with half the people you're friends with now, like now, <laughs> right now. And I was like, that is so not true. Like, I have so many friends that I consider like my best, best friends. And I think it is another one of those societal, cultural things where we're expected to have these like best friends that we've had since we were children. Yeah. And those, you know, beautiful stories in like Hollywood, which are just all portrayed <laughs> in that way. Um, brides' wars for one, like, classic. What is that? And then you feel like you failed, when you haven't been able to sustain those friendships and I think that's really sad
1: I think especially because we all have each other on social media as well like it's easy to confuse that with like because you have however many hundreds of people that you're looking at online it's like you have these hundreds of friendships and it's it is confusing
0: yeah it's really confusing but it's life (laughs) that is life (laughs) this this weird world that we live in (laughs) well thank oh. you so much em um, this has been such a good chat i'm really happy that we got to do this you too it's so yes. nice to see your face <laughs> i know i miss you i miss you lots i am i'm excited for when are you are you coming back down to london soon yeah whenever whenever, whenever i can <laughs> yeah <laughs> great well we'll definitely catch up and um yes any please. last um last uh comments on the whole indecisivity mess?
1: Um, I think just don't overthink things you will be okay it will all be okay in the end
0: <laughs> thanks again Emma for coming on it was an absolute delight to chat to you as always next week we've got our final bonus episode dropping with the wonderful Sarah Loftus talking all about whatever health means so make sure you stay tuned for that and have a great week